have an issue with my dog still always having this little bit of arousal. I'm having a hard time extinguishing it. Example, she won't break place, but more so lays over on her side and thumps her tail. That's not so When bad. approached by someone, Sorry. she wags her tail when passing another dog, starts to speed up a bit, and never escalated past that. She used to lunge and bark. So post-heart dog training, you're, you're being type A. Sounds like, that sounds like pretty good progress, doesn't it? I think you're doing okay. I think just the more you do what you're whatever you're doing, the better it'll get. But I don't think, I think it's okay. I think you're doing fine. You took a dog that used to lunge at other dogs to now just wagging its tail a little bit. And that's it. It's not bad. That's not bad at all. I'm not going to tell you to change anything. Next. Hey, we're live. How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? Stopping by to give thanks. Continuing education for dog owners and trainers is mandatory and grateful. Awesome. Dogs just stop doing bad shit. It's incredible. And then you get to start training your dog. Yeah! <laughs> hey, everybody. How are you? It's Jeff Gelman of Solid Canine Training. And this is Joelle. It's the What Would Jeff Do show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We missed Friday, didn't we? We had an employee game night. Yeah. Yeah. Had a little employee game night, which took Preston over this show, but we're back. And if you're brand new to the show, um, it's a Q&A show. You ask a question, Joel reads it, I give you the answer. A lot of the questions are, if you're brand new, a lot of the questions are people asking, how do they stop stuff? How do you stop? Mm -hmm. How do you stop? How do you stop? So a lot of the answers are going to be through a correction, through a punisher, through an intolerable consequence, something. The only way to stop it, I want the behavior is through some negative consequence. It's just the way it is. It's just how it is. Whether you agree with it or not, that's just how it is. You might not feel that way, but facts don't care about your feelings. Mm. It's just the way it is. So it's just like, you're not going to stop a dog from biting someone with a reward. You're not going to stop a dog from biting someone by building this great relationship with your dog or having you know your dog trust you or all this other stuff that people are trying to say. It's like, no, I like to build a relationship with my dog. My dog trusts me. It's like, okay, but your dog's attacking other dogs. Like, how do you, like, now what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know, your relationship isn't going to stop that. Some consequence has to stop that. I think a lot of people are putting out these little catchphrases that happened today. Like, I was motivated by a comment on TikTok to really put a semi-rant together. They would make actually a video about it. Mm. And it's it's not a, from a defensive position. It's more from an educational position that you're being lied to. It's like this, this f people are throwing phrases out there, but it's like, okay, fine, great. Can you please explain to me step-by-step step, when your dog tries to bite you, what would you do? When your dog is trying to bite your child, what would you do? Step-by-step, step. step one, step two, step three. You can't, they don't know, they don't know. So it's like, well, our clients need to know. All of you want to know this stuff. You want to know how to stop these things. Yeah. So I don't think everyone's afraid to be honest. That's the problem. People are afraid to be to be honest. So, um, and then we do a seminar series called Jeff Gelman seminars. And then we have the training center, which is here. We're at the training center live and, um, it's closed down for the night. Dogs are sleeping until they go for their last call. And, um, Joel's awake. She's had a long day. She was in the sun. So she's had enough coffee though. That's for sure. Not enough coffee in the world today. No, really? Mm -mm. It was a rough day. I didn't sleep last night. Yeah. Um, All right, so the YouTube comments aren't showing up for some reason. Yeah, they're always a little bit behind. 
I was a little bit behind. I don't know why. I don't know if I can start the YouTube channel before the Facebook channel, but all of a sudden they, they pop up maybe like five minutes after they pop up. So, but you can read them right from the page if you want to. So here we go. Let's start. All right. Um, Sabrina, Sabrina says, Joel, wake up. <laughs> Charles, good evening all. I was wondering what the best strategy for weaning the dog off of treats while maintaining the same obedience. Well, the, the way you do that is you do variable variable rewards. Don't, don't reward every single time. But then also get to correction mode. You know, once you're on correction mode with the dog, which is after a dog has done an obedience command hundreds of times, you can stop rewarding the dog for doing the command and just correct for non-compliance of the command. You know, you can, that's just how you do it. That's how you get a good solid command It's not more rewards. It's through, um, and we're talking about like basic commands. Um, it's all done through, you know, reward base to train it and then correction to make sure it maintains around distractions and distance and uh, um, all kinds of different variables, environmentals because no reward in the world is gonna outdo deer going by, or if your dog's got like legs to chase bicycles or kids on rollerblades or bouncing basketballs or, you know, or some sort of prey, you know, anything like that. So next. Um, Kathy, I oh know Raquel from Brazil says, hey guys. Hey Raquel, how are you? Kathy B says, hi everyone. Hey Kathy B. Thomas says hi from Ireland. Hey, Ireland, what's going on? Alicia says, any advice on dog-to-dog -dog resource guarding when I'm the resource that's being guarded? Yeah, that's very, very common, actually. So here's a great example where relationship don't mean shit, right? It's like they both they both have such a good relationship with you that the dog wants to guard you. The downfall of having a good relationship with your dog, possibly. So there's a video that I've got that teaches the out command, out meaning get out away from me. You're actually, the dog that's guarding you, you're actually sending the dog away from you. So it's a very powerful command. We do it all the time and it teaches the dog to stop guarding you. And it's a consequential um, um, uh, 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 command, meaning there's a consequence for not doing it. And there's a consequence for the dog guarding you because that's how dogs attack your, your spouse. Couples actually can't hug. We have couples that actually cannot hug in front of their dog because one of them gets attacked. We've got dogs that protect infants from their moms. Mm -hmm. Like it goes that it goes that far. Next. Abby, in terms of resource guarding, if we start to feed in the crate, is that just avoiding the problem? We've been training him out and he improved just not 100%. So it's not avoiding the problem. It's just smart dog ownership. In my opinion, I feed all my dogs in the crate. You can still train out. You can still train your dog not to resource guard, but still feed your dog in the crate. So you can have both. I just think it's smart dog ownership to feed your dog in a crate. That doesn't mean if you don't, you're stupid. It just means it's like, it's just a practical thing to do. It's like dogs eat in 30 seconds to a minute. And it's like, kettle up, there's your food, wonderful. Food bowl comes out, put it up on the top. But you know, if you want it, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that at all. But if you for resource guarding, let's make it 100%. So let's make the consequence for trying to resource guard um, a little bit more intense. So teaching a non negotiable mental and physical out command is what's going to help you. Next, David got our puppy and she has adjusted very well with our routine and with our two year old golden doodle. Thanks so much for the help. Do you have any advice on how to stop puppy biting? Yeah, again, here we go. Another, another, here's another great consequential thing um 
uh, it's you take your thumb. Well, it depends when you say puppy. We're talking like up to 14 weeks old. I stick my finger, my thumb in the dog's mouth. I push down. Um, you can actually use a bonker. No, bonk. You can actually stop puppy biting of humans like literally instantly. Like instantly you can do it. Um, what a lot of people will do is they'll do the old switcheroo. The dog will nip at them and then they'll all of a sudden a bone magically appears and it'll say, eat this instead. If that works for you and the dog never bites you, keep doing it. But if it the dog bites you and then just you keep giving it a bone and the dog stops, that's not what I call solving the problem. Your dog's still biting you. If anything, it will increase the biting of you because you're using a reward-based system. So again, we use positive reinforcement to train what we want, and you're using positive reinforcement to train the dog to bite you. Next. Um, Abby, new puppy, saw your method of three times out to potty before bed. Do you need to take the puppy out throughout the night or just when you wake up? Your dog depends on the age of the dog, the size of its bladder, what your food and, you know, your food and water routine is. I mean, I'm sure every dog's a little bit different. You know, you, you know, anybody that gets a puppy, be ready for some sleepless nights. Okay. So be ready for some sleepless nights. I mean, it's, it would be unusual for a dog to go eight to 10 hours, you know, even eight hours overnight. And we're talking about a dog that's like 10 weeks old, 12 weeks old. Some do. It's, it, I know some that do, um, but a lot of them don't. A lot of them don't. A lot of them have to get up early in the or, or you know middle of the night. Next, Mothman. Hey y'all. Hope you had a lovely day. Yes, day was good. Abby, sorry for all the questions. Haha. -ha, last one. Best way to introduce a new puppy to an excited nine-month-old dog. Well, again, I don't know your skill set. I don't know the dogs, but I would get that excited dog to calm down a little bit when it's meeting the puppy, because some puppies don't like that. Some puppies don't like that at all. It can startle the puppy. It can scare the puppy. It actually can hurt your dog physically because if the dog's all over the place, it can actually, you know, squish it. Um, but, you know, calmness usually is good. Advocate for both dogs. Next. Got bumped already. Really? You didn't even touch anything. That's um, weird. Thomas is high from Ireland. Hey, Ireland. Alicia, any advice on a dog to restart? Dog to dog resource yeah. guarding when I'm the resource that's being guarded. It's doubling. Comments are doubling now. No, this is a different one. When she's the resource. No, I gave that I gave that answer. Oh. Pretty lengthy answer, actually. Next. JB, hey guys, in your experience, do large breed dogs often need stronger e-collars? Thank you. No, no, it's not a it's not a size of dog thing at all. It's not even a breed of dog thing. It's just a dog thing. Next. Adam, hi guys. What's a good punisher for on a walk with an e collar reactive dog? A higher setting? Um, e it's reactive to the e collar. On well, a walk with e collar reactive dog. So for a reactive dog, number one, make sure you've got a really good solid heel with the dog healing next to you. And then the biggest thing is you want to, when the dog's being reactive, you want to start recognizing the first signs of the dog loading. Um, and that's usually when the dog is about to be reactive and that's when your punisher should happen. Also watch our spatial pressure exercise, the spatial pressure exercise, which gets dogs to walk a little bit behind you. And when the dog walks a little bit behind you, what happens is the dogs get into a different state of mind. That's not, that doesn't mean the dog can't be reactive when it's in that state of mind, but they're less apt to do it do a lot of different cleaning of space exercises around the house, um, do the driveway drills exercises, 
Um, uh, and then obviously on the remote tower, sometimes if you're too low on the remote, you could add fuel to the fire. Next. Pulsar dog training. Oh, no, just kidding. Gretchen says hi. Hey, Gretchen. Thomas says, good listening to you guys. What would we do without our dogs? Love my German Shepherds. Um, probably do a lot of things without our dogs. But dogs are fun. Next. Pulsar dog training. I'm helping a man who has minimum, minimal control over his legs. He has to use the arm strap crutches to walk. He wants to be able to walk his two siblings, one-year-old pits. How can I help? Um, so you've got a dog. You've got an owner that has minimal use of his legs and he's using crutches. He'd probably be better off in a wheelchair, but that's a very personal conversation just because you can have more mobility issues. And I would hate to see him, I'd hate to see him pulled over, but you want to make sure those dogs are very well trained on heel, respond really well. I would make sure I, I would remote collar train them. And if any of them are reactive, you, you know, it's, quite the dangerous thing for this gentleman to do is walk reactive dog. any any breed of reactive dog can pull him over let alone two strong bully breeds um so uh, what i would do is i would try doing one at a time next well let's post the link to your patreon channel thank you and yeah tomorrow we have a zoom i think we're cutting zooms down to once a week because i'm just so busy now with one-on-one -on -one consult consults so um we'll be doing them on tuesdays at three next Anna, would you rehab a dog that already bit their owner multiple times with every time the blood was present? Um, well, that all depends on the owner, too. Like, does the owner want to keep the dog? And then I would I need to know like what was surrounding the bite. And is it a, you know, what's the relationship with the owner? And is the owner going to be all in? And is the owner willing to change their behavior? So a lot of it is going to be also owner centric because we only see the dogs for a small amount of time. This concept that you can just rehab the dog, it goes back to the owner and then the owner doesn't change their behavior for the dog to permanently change their behavior is slim to happen. Dogs are product of their environment. So it's just like rehab. It's like, yep, you got out of rehab and you went back to hanging out with your druggy friends you're probably not going to stay sober very long. It's just the way it is. So does the owner, how invested is the owner into it? So there's, there's a lot of different variables there. Next. Pulsar dog training. Oh, this is the second part of her question. How can I help him walk if I can't correct the leash? If he can't correct the leash? Um, well, you, you uh, again, you've, you, that's going to be a struggle. I, it's not even about correcting as much the dogs literally can't pull on that leash at all not one bit because they'll knock him over he's probably not strong enough he's probably not strong enough so you know what you could do is train the dogs to have an impeccable heel and then you have to train him how to do the upkeep but i would highly suggest remote collar training and you can also strap the remote collar to the actual crutch so he only has to use his finger next Riley, when introducing e-collar, do you go about things any differently with a dog that has collar sensitivities or physical touch sensitivities in general? Well, physical touch sensitivities, no, but collar sensitivities, some dogs freak out on even the slip lead around their neck, but a remote collar doesn't tug on the neck. 
So remote collar actually can be your best friend for dogs that have got those issues. But you work the dog through those issues. We've had many dogs that have had like literally anything, slip lead, martingale, flat buckle collar, anything around its neck whatsoever um, has made the dog freak out, has made the dog freak out. So what I would do, what I would do is um, you've not, you've got to know how to, you gotta, I don't know your skill set on remote collar training. So next. Uh, Dakota and Blessing. So in order to get Dakota to lose the hackles, I decided to take a step back and make an arch around the dog to create space. And I'm slowly closing it and I'm seeing results. He's allowed to calmly look at dogs without loading now since he can now do that. But sometimes he just chooses not to and puts his head down. Okay. Sounds like you're making progress. Good for you. Awesome job. Pamela, I see that you've said dogs can spend up to 20 hours a day in a crate. What about puppies up to six months of age? No, I've actually, I've never said that at all. I've never said that at all. Okay. So what I've said is puppies eight to 12 weeks old usually will spend 20 hours a day in a crate. I've never said an adult dog. And then I've also said not in a row. I've said over the course of the day, because that's how much sleep they need. That's what I've actually said. And I've said that hundreds of times, and it sounds the exact same way each time. And I'm not attacking you, but it's again, there's so much misinformation out there about me. This, like, I'm, cl I'm clearing up that statement because people often say that. It's like the dog sleeps anyway. So you take it out, you work it, goes back in the crate. So I'm just a big advocate of crates. I'm a big advocate of dogs being comfortable in crates. And the best time to do it is when they're puppies. The best time to do it is when they're puppies. So you have a dog that literally grows up in a crate, they're probably going to have a lot less crate issues. Next. Penny, hi, J&J. Our GSD attacked a Pomeranian on our property and no command worked to stop her. Even a shock. Where do we go now with our training? The Pomeranian had to be put down. Well, depends. I don't know what kind of collar you used. I don't know how the tightness of it was. I don't know what level you went up to, but also your dog was in drive. And dogs, dogs can easily blow through 100, the highest level on certain collars. Remember also, certain collars are not as strong as other collars. So I own dogs that blow through 100 in drive. Like if they're chasing deer or if they're chasing a coyote, I imagine if they were killing something, they also would blow through that as well. The, 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 the thing is, the dog was on your property. That doesn't make it any better for the Pomeranian or the Pomeranian's owner or that your dog practiced killing behavior. So where does a dog go? Where do you go from here is, number one, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Do you trust your dog? So what I would do is I wouldn't leave your dog outside unattended. It might not have been unattended at the time. I might keep your dog on a long line. And then I would start working your dog around as many dogs as possible, possibly muzzled. But the rehab process for a dog that's killed a dog is pretty extensive. Too much to list, you know, on this show. So I would go on the safe route by having your dog on a long line. I would practice your dog recalling and drive. But even if you get a dog that recalls and drive, again, how do you practice your dog recalling while it's killing something? Like, I don't think you can role play that that many times, that many times at all. So um, there's a big... Um, size difference between a German Shepherd and a Pomeranian, and chances are it died of 
possibly a puncture wound to its lung or a broken back or neck. So um, that's that. I mean, those are very fragile breeds of dogs, and you've got a very strong dog. It doesn't take much to do that. So next. Lori, hey, J&J, love seeing you all. Oh, love seeing you too. Caitlin, any advice on getting my fixed male dog to be more accepting of other male dogs? They don't have to play, but I would like him to not be aggressive towards them. So what you do is you work on existence. Existence. And again, I keep making this statement about like, I don't know your skill set and I don't know the dog because I don't know your skill set and I don't know the dog. Um, so, the, but the first thing to do is the goal is not for the, the dog to be playing with other dogs. Like you stated, it's to exist around other dogs. So what do you do? You train your dog to exist around other dogs by getting your dog around lots of dogs and correcting any intent from your dog that looks like it's going to be reactive or it's thinking naughty thoughts, as we say. Um, but then you also have to advocate for your dog by pushing other dogs away. So your dog has to learn to um, uh, 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 that you will push dogs away. So for instance, we just had, a, we have a couple of dogs here that go after other dogs. And we had sessions two days ago, three days ago, three days ago, say, and we muzzled up. The, no, we didn't muzzle the dog up. We just had girl, one of my dogs. And then we had the other dog that goes after dogs and it tried to go after girl. And we made that suck, which means a high level on a remote collar. And then we worked on getting the dog to remove itself from situations it's, it's, it's uncomfortable in. It's uncomfortable in. So that, that's what we do. But there's a skill set for that. And I don't encourage people to do that because if your timing is off, you end up with a dog fight. And you have to have a certain dog that will not fight back. You have to have a dog that will run away if it gets lunged at. So next. Olivia, hi all. We've been bonking for resource guarding. However, it just seems to make my dog more angry. He still continues to lunge and growl after bonking. So you might be bonking wrong. Your timing might be off. And I would highly suggest you get a remote collar for resource guarding issues. Next. Abandoned entity. Yesterday, we went to an outdoor area with more distractions. My family and additional dog. Sport dog collar died unexpectedly. So I was relying on a prong. I don't know where the rest is. Okay. Brianna, today at PetSmart, my nervous dog got grabbed and baby talked before I could realize what was happening. I yelled at them and they just kept baby talking and walked away while I had to deal with the aftermath. So, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing is that that's why I'm really big. That's why I'm really big. And if I go into a, I personally wouldn't bring my dogs into a pet store, but I know the staff does to proof them and they're on, they are hyper vigilant because it's like the wild west there. It's literally like the wild west where everybody will get on their hands and knees and try to hug and spoon your dog. And next thing you know, you've got a dog that's out of control. So it's a pretty stupid thing to do to a dog, at least the dogs that we work with. A lot of dogs also don't like that. They don't like that type of physical social pressure put on them mm -hmm. at all. They don't think that's friendly. They think that's like not friendly and they react in such a not friendly way. Next. Best behaved pups. Hi, J&J. It's been a while since I've been able to join. Looking forward to joining the Zoom call tomorrow. Yes, we'll be there, Karen. I'm not doing it earlier. Thank you. Olivia, it just seems to make... Oh, I already read that. Pulsar dog training. I have an issue with my dog still always having this little bit of arousal. I'm having a hard time extinguishing it. Example, she won't break place, but more so lays over on her side and thumps her tail. 
That's not so When bad. approached by someone, so. she wags her tail when passing another dog, starts to speed up a bit. It never escalated past that. She used to lunge and bark. So pulsar dog training, you're you're being type A. Sounds like that sounds like pretty good progress, doesn't it? I think you're doing okay. I think just the more you do what you're whatever you're doing, the better it'll get. But I don't think I think it's okay. I think you're doing fine. You took a dog that used to lunge at other dogs to now just wagging its tail a little bit, and that's it. It's not bad. That's not bad at all. I'm not gonna tell you to change anything. Next. Um, Karen trying to teach commands, but whenever I ask something, she looks confused, lays on her back and shows belly or runs to her crate. How do I get her to understand what I want? So Karen, so what I want you to do is watch our how-to videos. Everything should be done on a leash. So if she runs to her crate, I mean, she's most likely not on a leash. And we do uh, food training, food and marker training protocol and all the basic commands, sit, down, place, recall, we do, we do that. And you are the teacher and the dog is a student and the student doesn't speak English. So you've got to teach the dog with leash guidance, food, reward system, and um, hundreds of repetitions, what the word in English actually means so the dog understands the language that you're speaking. And the leash is gonna help you with that translation. Next. Ooh, translation. Abandoned entity held him in a sit and corrected for breaking that. He was whining and squirming, but eventually calmed down enough to just watch things. Is there something I could do better in those situations? That's the second part of what was the first part, though? That the e collar died. He only had a prong. Oh. And he's out in distractions. So, no, it sounds like you did, you did fine. I mean, all depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to accomplish, you know, your dog just ignoring things, that's fine. It's all, it's all, it's all dog training, just putting in the work. So it sounds like a good backup plan to me. Next. Abby, you guys have been a tremendous help. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Candace, good evening. My Weimaraner is 21 weeks. He bites hard. His bite inhibition seems non-existent and has left my arms looking like I work with barbed wire. He's getting better. However, he will lunge at me when overexcited and start biting. I've tried everything, telling him no, removing myself from play putting a leash on him and giving a tug for him to get off me. I've used a bonker and it seems to make him bite harder. I've also put my thumb in his mouth and once he settles, I let go. Okay. So your dog is 21 weeks old. It's too long. It's too old for the thumb in the mouth and everything else you described doesn't work. The bonking, you're probably not doing it firm enough. So all I know and your leash correction is probably not hard enough. And no is an English word which has no meaning to your dog other than to keep biting you. So it sounds to me like your dog thinks you're playing one big, huge game with your dog. That's what it looks like. So at 21 weeks old, which is going on now, my gosh, we're over five months old. So if I had a five-month-old dog that was biting me, that dog would get a, and like almost sounds like it's attacking you, that dog would get a correction that it would not forget. Yes, it would be uncomfortable for all the folks out there that are against training with pain, okay? So there'd be a one to three second moment 
of high discomfort to the dog that bites the owner. Here's another great example of, oh, who's that that asked the question? Um, Candace. Candace. Candace, if you had a better relationship with your dog, they wouldn't do that. Mm. So my question is, okay, keyboard warrior, I'm just, I think I'm targeting the show towards all the keyboard warriors out there that like think they know what they're talking about, but can't put it into practice. How is Candace supposed to build a better relationship with her dog? Step by step. Tell us how. What should she do? What should she do with her dog while it's biting her? Like, help me out here. Help me understand this concept of like, build a better relationship with the dog mm. while the dog is biting you. Bond better with the dog. Be more patient. Take your time. Don't be lazy by using tools. You ne should never hit your dog. Like all these catchphrases that people love to throw out there. All I know is if I had a five and a half month dog attacking me, there would be a humongous level of discomfort applied to that dog so it would stop. And if people have a problem with that, then you probably shouldn't own a dog. Yeah. Because that's the answer that nobody wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. That's that's what nobody wants to talk about. Her arms look like she worked with barbed wire. Like, if that dog was doing that to your child, what would you do? Hey, son, build a relationship with the dog. It'll stop in a year. And DCYF comes to your house and takes away your kid or the dog gets taken away. So how do you do that? A remote collar will greatly help. No remote collar, but be ready to hold the leash out like that with a self-preservation move, move, um, move. I would highly encourage you to do a one-on-one -on -one consult because the last thing I want you to do is to not do it properly and make it worse. But it probably can't get much worse. Well, it will because the dog's practicing this bad behavior. It will get worse. Once that dog hits six months and then seven months and eight months and then nine months, it will get worse. So, but that's how you stop a dog from attacking you, which is what your dog is doing. Next. Blessing, is it possible to retrain down? I want my dog to down from stand instead of down from sit. Yeah, just, well, it's not all retraining. It's just training and training in a new way to down. So don't let your dog sit, train it from stand. And they usually, they, they down it, they down um, like a sphinx. Next. Lisa, hi, so glad to catch you live. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us. I have two Danes. Question is, can I walk them both and still train? And do I walk the same side or one on each? So Lisa, it always depends on what your skill set is. Usually when you're first starting out, you walk one at a time and then you switch to one on each side. And then you, if you're comfortable, you put them both on the same side. All depends on how well they're doing and how comfortable you feel with it all. But there's no right or wrong way, except for probably training one at a time first. And when they each have a good heel, one on each side, and then combine. That's how we would do it. That doesn't mean how you should do it. But if you if you think about it, it sort of makes sense. So that's the easiest thing for the human. Next. Tyrese, man, Jeff, you're keeping, you're keeping it real. That's what I appreciate about you. You don't talk bullshit and you don't feed into a certain agenda. Man, we need more people like you. Thank you, Tyrese. I really appreciate that. I'm glad you see it that way because that's the truth. And I, and, I, and, and I try not to go into too many rants. You haven't kicked me yet today. 
Um, I attempted to. The chair got in the way. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh. I think you're too tired to kick me. Mm. Maybe today's a good day to go into rants because you're too tired. You just space out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tune it out. So, um, but I wish more people would be honest. And, I, and, I'm, and, I'm and I'm tired of people with all their cut and paste responses about like, you know, I already went over all those things. So you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Thomas, very good advice you're giving. Keep up the good work. You're welcome. Lisa, also, it, one is almost three years, is aggressive, and we have the call, caller and prong caller. So, again, it's still going to boil down to training. Like, no no caller is going to actually train the dog. The training is going to train the dog, and the caller is going to communicate the training. So, there's we get many dogs. Well, they don't actually come in here with, with remote callers historically, but there's many people out there that still have the tools that are still not fixing behavioral issue because the training program behind that issue still isn't there. So you still got to do the training program. So again, if you've got an aggressive dog, you know, I would, with it's a great Dane, I'd start looking into muzzles um, just for safety and for your self-confidence. Next. David, she's a nine week old puppy. I will try that. Thank you. Also finally took the two year old golden doodle on off leash walk. Thank you for all your help. We completely trained her from your content. Awesome. David, that's a great feeling. So practice lots and lots of recalls underneath high and low level distractions. Next. Riley, when doing a structured walk, how do you ensure the dog empties itself before starting? It seems like my dog is purposefully saving his pee to use the rest of the walk. Probably. He's strategically saving his like, you know what? I'm only going to do two ounces. It's like, seriously though, it's like, where the fuck does that all come from? I'm going to do like a little bit here, a little bit there. I'm only going to do two ounces at a time. It's like I'm some serious bladder control. I'm going to do a two ounce squirt, one ounce squirt, two ounce squirt, like, one ounce squirt. Once I start, it's all over. We'll, we'll turn that, your dog. Like you could just like hold it in. I don't, I don't know if Wes is capable of not emptying his bladder. Yeah, he's, in not, one he's shot. not a big marker. He's just like, I'm peeing everything right now. So Wes, which is Joelle's dog. When I take the dogs off property, they all run out the front door, and my truck is, I don't know, 100 feet away, and Wes will usually go over to, like, the dumpster area, mm, which is which spot. is literally right outside the door. I've loaded all the dogs up into, the, into my truck, loaded them up. I turn around. He stares at you the whole time, And he's, st he's still he pissing. He makes direct eye contact. He's still pissing. Huh? All over his leg, too. Yeah. He's pissing. And I, and I literally stand there. And it's, he just looks at you like. Yep. Yeah. And then he's got to stop when he's done. And he's got to turn around and sniff it. And I'm like. <laughs> Every time. And I'm like, don't tell me. And he takes like five minutes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, don't tell me with that big ass fucking puddle of piss. You couldn't smell that standing <laughs> over it. I could fucking smell the piss. And I'm 100 feet away. Like, you really sure it's mine. It's like you really got to sniff that piss every it's time. Like, where did you think it came from? Every it came time. from the dog that was standing there for the last five minutes. Every time, it's amazing. It's the strangest thing. It's like it's amazing. It's like take your good old time. Yep, that's your piss. Still is. Hasn't changed. No. Nope. Tomorrow, same spot, same piss. Yep. Next. <laughs> Angie, bringing in a new puppy, eight weeks with two other dogs. Any advice on how to introduce? Slowly. So I don't know the other dogs. I don't know how good they are with puppies. You don't want anything negative to happen the first, you know, month and a half. You know, mm. I would do possibly management at the beginning. Um, 
advocate for the puppy and then be careful you don't have a pack attack next mia i have a foster right now who's extremely food aggressive i only feed her in the crate because i fear for the safety of the other dogs if i approach her while she's in the crate eating she growls snaps and snarls I've tried everything from sending her to a five-week rehab with a force-free trainer where the issue worsened, giving her a very high level of correction when she growls and snaps. I'm open to any suggestions you may have. Well, the force-free trainer didn't give her that high correction. No. No. She's tried everything from going to a force-free trainer oh, to giving yeah. her. Yeah. So force-free trainer, by the way, there's no such thing as force-free training. That's a marketing slogan that is designed to grab your money. So force, there's no such thing as force free. As soon as you put a leash on a dog, you're using force. It's just the way it works. I'm, for, I'm forcing you from running away. So there's no such thing at all. So what I would, and I, and I would love to know how to stop resource guarding, quote unquote, oh, she said it made force it worse. free. So it, it will make it worse because she probably did what I think she did was reward the dog for coming off that food, but going to another food. A higher value food. Exactly. So it's like, oh, you know, you're to freaking buy a New York strip to get the damn dog. I know. There. So if I stop growling, I get this reward, more food, huh? So I growl and I get yummy treats. I think I'm going to keep growling. That's sort of called. That's actually called positive reinforcement. That's why you got made it worse. What I would do is the way we do it, and we're successful pretty damn close to 100 percent of the time, is teach the out command. You teach the out command and you can do it before the dog growls. So dogs eating out of the food bowl, dogs on a tie back for safety. Tie back is that there's a leash attached to something very heavy. So if it lunges, it can't get you. And you say the word out and you hit the stem, the shock feature, not tone, which has no meaning right now and not vibrate, which your dog probably doesn't give a shit about. And you make it uncomfortable. And then the dog historically will back away. Now, once the dog backs away, you have to look at the dog and you have to say, you're physically backed away, but are you mentally backed away? What I mean by that is, is the dog staring at you? Like, like I'm gonna bite you if you reach down for the bowl or is it staring at the food bowl? And if it is, you say out again, nick the dog again. Okay, that's what you do. So you wanna do it prior to the dog growling. And people will say, oh, the dog's going to be then like afraid of blah, 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 blah. We've never seen blah, 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 blah. And if you don't stop it, you end up with a dead dog because someone's going to get bit. Next. Stephanie, I'm going to be working with a shepherd mixed dog that's in a shelter. The dog has severe kennel aggression until he's out of the kennel. The body language tells me it's fear-based. What do you suggest to build trust? So don't build, don't worry about building trust. Don't worry about building trust. Like you might never build trust with this dog or you might get bit five times before this trust is built and the dog has to come out of the kennel. The dog's got to come out of the kennel unless they've got the guillotine doors, which if it's a shelter, most of them do, most, most of them do have the guillotine doors. So this concept of you building trust, the downfall of the dog, the downfall of you building trust with the dog is that's good for you because you're the trainer working with a dog. How is that going to help the owner, the new owner that adopts the dog? Or how is that going to help other shelter people? Because you're probably, there's 168 hours in the week and you're probably not going there for all of those 168 hours. So what you need to do is you need to be actually 
teach that dog there's a consequence for being kennel aggressive. Now that that consequence, that information can be easily passed off to a new owner. Oh, when the dog starts being aggressive, you say no and you correct the dog. That will not destroy the trust. If anything, that will build the trust. So if you want to talk about building trust, that builds trust. For some weird reason, all these dogs that we correct strategically, unemotionally, and methodically for unwanted behaviors, like that's why when I ask someone, like, tell me step by step how you would fix a problem, I can tell you step by step how we fix problems. Mm -hmm. Then the dog will go, well, that sucked. It sure did. Yeah. You can also, if they don't allow e-cowers into the kennel, what you do is you open up the door, dog tries to race out the door, slam the door really, really hard. That has that has eliminated a ton of behavioral issues. Mm -hmm. That little do the door the door slamming routine. So many things, so many things. Next, um, Melissa posted the link to my Patreon. Channel. Yeah, if you want to get physically fit. Thanks, Melissa. Um, so physically fit that it makes you really tired at seven o'clock at night. I didn't sleep last night. I'm busting your balls. Next. Um, Thomas. You said do a lot without our dogs. What if they are our life? My female shepherd always goes to work with me. I'm an attorney, divorced 20 years, love living now with my German shepherds. Nala is the only woman in my life. Life is good. I always treat my dogs as dogs, not humans, but they're great companions. So Thomas, I'm not telling you to live your life like I would live my life. It's your life. You do what makes you happy. Thomas, you do you. You do you, Thomas. You bring your dog to work. Okay, but... My dogs do everything with me too. But it's up to you. But eventually, like not to be a Debbie Downer, like your dogs are going to die. Right? And so, and do you want to stay single the rest of your life? Maybe you do. Or do you just want to casually date the rest of your life? Maybe you do. Or you'll probably own dogs all your life. But whatever makes you happy, you should do. So... If this is the lifestyle you want, what it doesn't make a difference what I feel about it or what anybody else feels about it. It makes you happy. And that's really, really important today. So keep doing it. Next. Stephanie, how do you sign up for a Zoom session? Well, the Zoom session actually is on Patreon. It's for everybody. It's at $10 and up on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash solid canine training and you do become a $10 supporter and up, You'll go, you'll go every Tuesday at three o'clock. There's a link that I'll put up tomorrow morning on how to get onto the Zoom session. You can do that. If you want to do a one-on-one -on -one session with me, which is private consults, you do that from our website, which is solidcanitraining.com in the shopping cart. Next. Pulsar dog training. How do you, how long do you usually put a board and train dog away after a training session? Depends what we're doing with the dog. We might put it in place, let it do duration work for a couple hours and just observe things. Next. Um, Anna, do shot collars work with barking only, or does it work with whining also? Have you had experience with dogs where the bark collar hasn't worked? So two different, two different collars there. The bark collar works remotely when nobody's around. Okay. And a shot collar or a remote collar, call it what you want, um, is manually activated. So that can help with whining. A lot of bark collars though, dogs can figure out what level of pain in the ass whining they can do 
be, be, so it doesn't go off. So you can start off on the remote collar and then put the bark collar on the dog and the dog might go, I better not make any noise. But sometimes they figure it out. They're pretty smart. Dogs are smart when it comes to that. Next. Lucy, my dog has high prey drive and has tried to attack other animals, anything from a rabbit to a horse. At what point do I correct her with a remote collar? Do I wait until she goes to attack or do I correct at the first sign of her senses being heightened? She gets a mohawk all the way down her back. So the answer, Lucy, is yes. So the answer to that is yes. So we'll do both. Sometimes the first time we correct, we will wait, we'll muzzle up the dog or put the dog on a long line. So say, say the horse is behind a fence. I'll have a, I'll have a long line on the dog and I'll let the dog go all the way up to the fence line, but I'll know that the long line can't go past the fence line. And I'll let the dog go ballistic and I'll correct the dog very, very high. So rushing the fence line, trying to go after the horse sucks. And again, all my horse people out there will say, yep, because if it doesn't, the horse is going to kick it in the face. And if the dog doesn't die, it's going to cost you lots and lots of thousands, lots of Benjamins to get fixed. Mm -hmm. Like basic dental work will be five grand minimum. Easily. So, I um, mean, that's if the dog doesn't die. Well, a wired jaw right. shut. If the, if the dog dies, well, that doesn't cost much. 128 bucks to have that dog cremated. So that's with your own private box too, individual cremation. So then what you do on step two is you start correcting the first signs of arousal. That's how we do it usually. Like we'll let the dog, we want the dog to know that it sucks to go after the dog, the, the prey, and we want the dog to know that it sucks to even think about going after the prey. Next. Don, hi, J&J from Texas. Hey, Texas. Sid, hi, J&J, just saying hi. Working both GSDs together on existence. Walking, close tiebacks, etc. He wants to, wants to play. She's vocal at him. Well, <clears throat> maybe they both want to play. Dogs bark at each other all the time. It could mean like, hey, I want to play. And like the other dog's like, but I got homework. My mom's going to yell at me for not finishing my homework. Mm. So next. Penny says, thank you. You're welcome. Colleen, Jeff, do you have videos on fear of fireworks? My dog is getting more and more anxious oh, with them. He's trembling, panting, drooling. It kills me to see him suffer. Can this cause health problems for him? Well, I don't know if it can cause health problems. I mean, stress, I'm sure, is not healthy. But our dogs are acting weird this year, too. Fireworks are real bad. So, like, I have never had a problem up until this year with the three dogs that I've got with me now. And they're acting really weird this year. And I'm not quite sure why, because they've never acted this weird before. And the fireworks here are not as bad as the fireworks when I'm at my house, which is like literally like your house shakes. I live in a neighborhood where in Rhode Island, they made fireworks legal in 2012, which is one of the biggest mistakes they made in my opinion, because it just literally like gives everybody permission to like, explode half the block up which they do um and they last year they weren't didn't even phase them no i remember i made a post because i'm like oh it's the fourth of july and like my guys are so calm and this year they're freaking freaking out for going out to go to the bathroom it's like after six o'clock it wasn't even dark out right before the show so i don't know what's going on but Put them out there. Um, so the fear of fireworks is 
you start you can start doing counter conditioning protocols by start playing firework sounds low and getting your dog if it doesn't react to use the reward based system the thing is a lot of dogs that are stressed out won't take food so there goes that concept but you can try it or getting your dogs to just hold command like place or down next emily we started remote collar training with our six-month-old dog she has stopped biting, but now won't touch her toys or ball despite encouragement. Have you seen this happen? Um, I'm not quite sure when you stopped, when you started the training. And if you're trying to do uh, play with your dog right after a correction. But um, have we seen this happen? The shrapnel effect of correcting your dog for biting historically does not take away the dog's play drive. Um, it could make the dog paranoid of a certain area. That's possible. Um, and I don't know how long ago you corrected the dog, excuse me, for for biting you. But usually a dog that likes toys will eventually play with toys. Maybe not in the same session, but that usually doesn't take away their toy drive. Next. Sunny, my friend has a kind of Corso, five-year-old, and we are trying to get him to play with my Corso, and he is a little aggressive by trying to put his paw on top of the back or opening mouth and going for the neck. I have him on a long line to control it. What else do you think I can do? Well, to me, that sounds like play. So if all I know is if a Corso opened up its mouth and put it on the dog's neck, and there's nothing in your sunny, there's nothing in your post about going to the vet or biting or blood or breaking up a dog fight. It's most likely play. I let, I let my dogs play rough with each other. You know, I don't know this other dog and I don't know your dog, but a lot of dogs like to do that dominant posturing. If your dog has a history of fighting, I wouldn't let it. I would correct it. Um, but what I what I would do is you know, you can stop the dominant stuff with a remote collar, but everything you described so far just sounds like pre-play, you know? Next. Sunny said, where are you, by the way, if I may? I'm in my office right now in Providence, Rhode Island at the training center. Karen said, Jeff, the request about having the Zoom earlier was just a request. Jeez. Well, Karen, you sounded pretty demanding in that post. That's all I'm going to say. You sounded very demanding. Like you insist. Had to be done. Next. Frank, do you correct for whining on e-collar toward other dogs but stays in heel command? Um, you could if you'd like to. If you want it to go away, you can. You know? So we do. I don't like whining. Joel hates it. Joel, Joel like has spidey sense for whining. Next. Alex, my dog is animal aggressive and becoming unmanageable on walks due to e-collar reactivity. What is e-collar reactivity? I don't understand this e-collar reactivity thing. It's the second person that said that. We used to be able to break, correct the drive behavior with e-collar stim, but now he goes into what we call a death roll. Oh. He thrashes, jumps, tangles himself on his leash after any e-collar stim. It is a huge scene, and I'm afraid he'll break free during one of these events. How can I get him back under control quickly, and what can I do to correct this long term? Okay, so it sounds to me like your dog is having a temper tantrum is what it sounds like. I might be wrong, and I don't know what level you're correcting on, I don't know your timing of it, but it sounds like it's a temper tantrum because dogs dogs will do that. So what I would do is, um, 
what I what I would do is put a dominant dog collar on that dog, and I would actually just when he does that little death roll, I would actually just lift up the leash and get him out of that little death roll. That's what it sounds like to me. Next. Michelle, yes, I was looking for fireworks desensitizing videos yesterday. They're going off all the time here and close by. My eight-year-old never was phased by them until last summer, and now it seems to be causing him general anxiety. Yeah, I don't know what's going on out there. So one of those things where we literally just have dogs hunker down and help them deal with it. Some people will do CBD oil. Some people give their dogs different drugs. I, I find that if we have dogs just do like place or down and enforce that, we do. A lot of times with a lot of dogs with those with thunderstorms and fireworks, a lot of people will say, well, do stuff with them, make them active, like run them through their commands or do a mm -hmm. trick with them. But what happens when the dog doesn't like want to do anything at all except for like flee? Right. So it's like, okay, let me just like put you in a down or a place command and enforce that and enforce that next. Lisa. Oh wait, hold on. Pulsar dog training. The reason I ask about eliminating the little bit of arousal is because I'm hoping it follows over to walks with other dogs or the dogs in the house for her to come for her to calm her. She's almost drivey. I call her to a heel and she barks and whines, but performs much quicker with her commands. I just want to walk with my boyfriend and his dogs and not have mine acting a fool. So then you could then then work on that. Then actually just start working on getting your dog to go into follow mode. Get look up our teaching your dog for the spatial pressure exercise. Watch the spatial pressure exercise. And when the dog is when you do that exercise, it teaches the dogs to walk behind you. I think there was a good video of um, today on our social media of three trainers with dogs walking behind them. Um, and the way we get the dogs like that is through that exercise. And what that does is that puts the dog into a different mental state as well. Next. Lisa, my dog hardly has food drive, even without being fed. So I've been praising him for a reward. Is this okay or can I use hot dogs? He likes those, but still doesn't go for it a lot. So, so Lisa, if your dog likes your verbal or physical touch as praise, then do that. Then do that. A lot of dogs aren't food motivated. You know, so if you use food, if you use food as the source of your training, they tend to become more food motivated because that's how they eat. Um, but if your dog is too stressed out while it's training, which is fine. I mean, dogs get stressed for a lot of different things. Um, then you can't use food. But if you want to use hot dogs, use hot dogs. You can use kosher hot dogs, too. Next. And if you don't want to use kosher hot dogs, it's OK. I won't tell the rabbi. Next. Kennedy, not training related, but what is your opinion on when to neuter a dog? I have a three and a half month old pit bull over 30 pounds already. Wanted a second opinion after I talked to my vet. Well, don't, don't, don't ask me. Don't make me the second opinion. I'm a dog trainer. So I know a lot of vets right now are encouraging owners to do it earlier. But I can't imagine desexing a dog before a year old. But again, I don't know. I'm not the medical. I'm not the medical person. I'm the dog trainer. I've actually, I've actually never desexed any of my dogs. They've come to me desexed, or they're still intact. Next, Riley. When correcting arousal toward other dogs in a walk with prong, do leash pop, or would e-collar correction be recommended? 
Not sure if prong is just for gradual pressure or whether pops are still okay. I just want to make sure I don't misuse the tool. Well, Riley, you're probably not going to misuse the tool. You just your timing might be off. You know what I mean? So we would we would act the way that prong is supposed to be used is a quick pop, actually. It's not actually designed to be using for constant pressure. It's made for a quick pop and release. That's how the that's how the tool was designed for. Five dollar top chat. From Annie, hey Jeff and Joel took Pumba to Home Depot yesterday, and he did great. Thank you for all your free content. Oh, awesome! That's great. I like that name, Pumba. Isn't, that a, isn't that a Disney character? Yeah. Mm. Lion King. Um, did I skip one? No. Gretchen, can you shock a five-month-old puppy for puppy biting? Well, at that point, it's not really puppy biting; it's biting. So, if I if I had a five-month-old dog that was biting, I assume you, I would. I'd probably bonk it, but I bonk really effectively. I hear a lot of people are bonking and it's not working, but if you watch my videos on me really bonking a dog, I mean, most people think it's overkill, but I'm like, it's a cotton towel. You know, it's, it's, it's it gets the point across. You say no, and then you bonk and you bonk really firmly. But Oromo Cower is very effective for that. No, correct, next. Pulsar dog training. Do you correct a dog for looking at other dogs if it's holding a double down? Sometimes it just scoots its head on the ground but won't lift head. Yeah, I mean, I'll, so Pulsar, so it's like, didn't you say that was going to be the last question, like 10 questions ago? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Funny how she snuck that in. So, uh, all depends on the dog's intent. Like, think about intention. Like, is the dog just going, hey, it's a nice pair of shoes you got on there, dog. I don't care. Or if the dog was like, you know what? I think I'm going to bite your head off. That you're correct. Next. Teresa says, you're so right. Bad behavior is not acceptable. No, it's not. Melissa, if you have a dog, aggressive dog that doesn't react to 100 on the e-collar and you can see the neck moving, what is the best way to go about training, correcting, reacting? Well, the thing is, what do you want your dog to do? That's the thing. It's like, do you want your dog to move away from the dog? Do you want your dog to... You know, we have dogs that whose necks move at under 10. So, you know, and you get a lot of your bully breed dogs that don't care about like 100. And then you get your drivey dogs that don't care about 100. So, you know, but if you're trying to get your dog to move away, like try to get your dog to move away. So what you try to do is teach the dog how to move away from pressure instead of like lunging out to remove the pressure. So they either move it away or you move the dog out of the way. Next. Maureen, my Bernadoodle is two years old. I use a prong on our walk. He still loads on other dogs. Should I start using the e-collar as well to stress the no? You can. Yeah, you can. That'll help. Frank, hello, Jeff and Duel from Vancouver, Sunshine Coast, British Columbia. Hey, Frank. How are you, buddy? Kennedy, I mean, I'm neutering him either way. I'm just deciding when. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if I gave you Anything, it would be opinion, not based on fact. So my training is something that I've done. All my advice on training, I've done thousands of times, sometimes tens of thousands of times. I've either gotten direct feedback from like me doing it personally or feedback from my audience. Um, I do it at seminars. I tour the world. So, um, but, you know, I can't imagine neutering a dog pre one years old. That's just me. That, but that is that is strictly an uneducated opinion. It's not based on anything other than 
personal choice. Next. Melissa, what is the best way to stop my four and a half month old doodle from jumping on everyone? She jumps on us for attention and to play and mauls our visitors because she's so excited for them to pet her and play with her. So Melissa, I've got a video on how to get your dog to, how to stop your dog from jumping. Watch it, it's effective and it works. And we do it, we demo it at our seminars, we do it here. And for some weird reason, we don't have dogs jump on us, like ever here. I mean, maybe the first day, but even then they don't really jump on us. Mm -mm. Yeah, next. Gretchen, my mom met with a neighbor this morning at my brother's swim practice who has a doodle who's silly on the leash. Apparently a while back, she saw me with radar and thought he didn't have a collar on. I went on plenty of off-leash walks in her neighborhood, but his collar strap blended in, so she probably didn't see it. She saw him not even paying attention to her dog and thought, that's just not fair. So, what's not fair? The fact that he was, like, healing so nicely. So, did she, like, so your neighbor has a hair up her ass because your dog didn't say hello to her dog, and you, she, she gets all of her like, what's the word I'm looking for? Her self-worth through the attention that people give her dog, whether it's a dog or a human, because she has insecurity issues and she needs to work on some personal growth No, I think stuff. she's just like, the fact that Radar could heal and her dog is a maniac on the leash. Or what I just said. Gretchen put in the work. Gretchen put in the work, right? Or she's got some personal, needs to do some personal growth. Maybe. Because she gets satisfaction from the attention her dog gets, which a lot of people do. It's true. Next. Last one. Karen says, hello, Gelman family. Well, there's only one Gelman family here. <laughs> it's just me. Joelle is not- Just one. Yeah, Joelle is not part of the Gelman family. Nope. So Joelle is, Joelle's a friend and staff. So, well, it's eight o'clock already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look at that, we stopped right before Pulsar Dog Training asked another question. <laughs> Coincidence? I don't think so. I timed it perfectly. So anyway, no, it is 8-0-0, and it's time for us to go. And we got to set up a nanny cam on a certain dog. Sure do. Who's that? We don't have to mention the name. All right. All right, guys. Madly in love with you. Take care. Good night. Good night, everybody.